show me your Bible, if you will, please, if we could, John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19, find your place in the Word of God. We'll read in just a moment and then bring the message. I, do, I believe the Lord would have me too this afternoon. I do want you to pray for Donna. She don't normally have much sick problem, much health problem, but her heart's acting up. It's uh, AFib, I think's what it is. They admitted her for testing about an hour ago, and so you pray God to touch her. And uh, she's 54 years old, but she's still daddy's girl. <laughs> Amen. And uh, I gave her away, but I hang on to her. I gave her to Clint, and I still hang on to her. And I appreciate my daughter, appreciate my family. I appreciate you praying for her. God will touch her and bless her, and the Lord's will will be done. It's been a wonderful day of preaching and singing. I've enjoyed it all week. It's been good. I praise the Lord for it. I want to just say a word, preacher, before I read. And I'm not picking an argument. If you disagree with what I'm fixing to say, please keep it to yourself. I'm not interested in it. I'm old enough. I've got my mind made up, my my foot on the rock, my head's in the rock or something other. But I believe Christ was crucified on Wednesday. Now, I know there's a time difference from here to there. I know that. But in Jerusalem, this time of the day, Christ would be on the cross. What I'm reading is a little bit prior to that. But I'm telling you, we ought not ever get over the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. The songwriter was right, and you can take it either way you want to. The songwriter was right when he said he did it all for me. And he did do it all. But then you can put emphasis on for me. He did it all for me. And he did it all for me, for you. I'm glad I'm saved by the grace of God. Amen. Thank God for the old rugged cross. Let's stand together if you would, please. Your Bible open. You pray for me. God will help me to help you with the word of God this evening. I want to magnify the Lord and testify a little bit, and then I'll get out of the way and let these fellows come and preach. John chapter number 19 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. When the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And then they smote him with their hands. Verse 4. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth unto you that that you may know that I have no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests therefore and an officer saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. I'm going to jump down, and I'll deal with this, mention it maybe a little bit later, but look at verse number 14. The Bible said, and it was at the, and it was at the, and it was the preparation of the Passover, and about, about the sixth hour, he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. Keep your Bible open there, the first verses. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a moment of prayer. Then the message I believe the Lord would have me to in this hour, this evening. Our precious Heavenly Father, again, dear Lord, in the throne of grace and mercy, in Jesus' name, I bow before you in prayer. Father, I do want to say thank you 
for the joy of salvation. Lord, I want to thank you one more time. You let me be born in America. You let me hear the gospel. You save me with the marvelous grace of God. You call me to preach. You put me in the ministry. You have kept me there all these years. And the Lord, you have given me great joy and victory in knowing and serving you. Father, my heart cries out, thank you, Lord, for your blessings upon me. I know I'm unworthy. I know I'm undeserving of the least of thy mercies. Oh, God, in your mercy and your grace, you've allowed me to get in on the greatness and the glory of God. All of my life, I've had exposure to the church, the Bible, the preachers, and God's people. Lord, this atmosphere of old-time religion, I thank you for it. Now, Lord, would you speak to us today? Lord, do that in my own heart that needs to be done. Do that in each life that needs to be done today. And for what you do, Father, I'll give you praise, honor, and glory because I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Do keep your Bible open, please. You're seeing the message for tonight, this evening, rather, from the Word of God. I want to preach tonight on the statement that Pilate makes several times in the Bible where he said, I find no fault in him. And again, he said, I bring him forth that you may know that I find no fault in him at all. If I could say this on a little bit lighter side, Brother Morgan, I've been thinking about starting Pilot's Club. And only people can join it are those who can find no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a fault finder, you can't get in on what we're getting in on. But I want to say to you, Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Now, for most of you, I'm an antique. I'm an old man. I know that. I, you don't have to remind me that. Somebody says to me often, said, Preacher, you've not changed a bit. I said, be at the house in the morning when I start getting out of bed. But Luke, I can remember when I got up all at one time. Now then I hang one foot off and try to talk the other into falling. Then I get a shoulder to come off the bed and up and finally five minutes later, I'm on my feet. You say, I don't understand that. Just keep trucking. You'll learn it after a while. But God in his mercy let me be born in this country in the part of the country and born in a Christian home and Christian family. I was saved when I was nine years old. That'll soon be 67 years ago. I was called to preach when I was 18. That'll soon be 58 years ago. So I want to testify as an old man, an old preacher, to you younger folk today, and tell you at this point in the journey, I'm a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to go on record today. I hope it's being recorded. I find no fault in him at all. Now, if you think you find fault in him, the fault is between your eardrums, not him. He is a flawless, flawless son of God. I find no fault in him at all. But I thought I need some other witnesses for this. And so I started studying in the Bible and I found out, first of all, his father said, I find no fault in him. If you don't know where I'm at, I'm paraphrasing. This is my beloved son 
in whom I am well pleased. The Father spoke both at his baptism and his transfiguration. This is my beloved Son. And God the Father looked down at his Son Jesus and made the declaration, I find no fault in him at all. Matter of fact, I don't want to argue the theology of this, but I believe I'm correct. I believe the resurrection of the dead, Brother Lanny, is proof that God accepted the sacrifice. That high priest went behind the veil, his coming back out was proof that he'd been accepted. And when Christ got out of the grave, it's like God saying, I find no fault in him. He found no fault in the beginning. He found no fault in the midst. He found no fault at the end. I don't say, he is a faultless son of God. I find no fault in him. The language of verse number two, not only his father said, I find no fault with him, but his friend said, I find no fault in him. I want to give witness of two men that walk with him for about three years upon this earth. John the beloved whom we're familiar in first John chapter number three, verse number five, if I could call John to the pulpit this evening and say, John, tell me now. Three years, you were in an inner circle by yourself with the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? There's the 12, there's the three, and then there's the one. Yes, John, I believe it. Now, John, tell me, did you find anything wrong with this man, the Lord Jesus Christ? John, did he ever say the wrong thing? Did he ever move the wrong thing? Did he ever move in the wrong kind of anger response? John said, I'll just tell you how it is. First John 3, 5, in him is no sin. John said, I find no fault in him. He never, all the things I ever saw him do, everything I heard him say, I've never saw one thing, and my testimony is, in him is no sin. Then I call forth Peter and I say, Peter, we think about this man, Jesus. You were with him. You were with him. I'll just leave it there. You were with him. You were with him. You had a lot of experiences with him. Peter, he got pretty mean with you a few times. Peter got pretty mean a few times himself, you know. But tell us, Peter, what about this man, the Lord Jesus Christ? He said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 2, he did no sin. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. So I choke it down. Paul said, Peter said, and John said, as friends, we find no fault in him at all. Then I come to the right of the book of Hebrews and I ask him, sir, tell me about this man, Jesus Christ. What do you know about him? He said in in chapter number four, verse number 14, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, yet apart from sin. Now, whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, the Holy Ghost offered it, and so the Holy Ghost said, I find no fault in him at all. And I join the apostle Paul and I bring him up here and I say, Paul, tell me, you're a friend of the Lord. 
What'd you find wrong with him? Paul said, I pinned it down in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God had made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Peter said, Paul said, John said, and the book of Hebrews said, all of them talks a testimony as a fact that they find nothing wrong. They find no fault with the Lord Jesus Christ. So his father said, I find no fault in them. His friends say, I find no fault in them. But I wait a minute as I was pondering this. It's really not too abnormal, Brother Dorsey, for your friends to take up for you. So I'm going to invite some of his foes to the pulpit. Let's see what his enemies said. Can I do that? I say, first of all, hey, Pilate, step up here a minute. I've already read it to you, but Pilate, tell us if any man on earth would have been benefited and profited by finding fault in Pilate and Jesus, Pilate would have been that man. He would have been exalted to the highest offices in the land and memorialized and idolized. But Pilate said, when it's all over with, my wife wrote me a letter and said to me, have thou nothing to do with this just man? And Pilate said, I'm going to wash my hands that you have no, I find no fault in him. There's nothing. He's a just man. Both of them called him just. And so his enemy, his foe, Pilate said, I find no fault in him at all. But let's call up another witness. Let's call the thieves that are on the cross with him. First of all, there is the thief whom we know as the railing thief. I'm wondering whether to go off into this or not, so I'm just pausing there a moment. Let me just say this. You know, both thieves asked the Lord to save them. The first thief really, in essence, wanted God to save them without dying, without blood. Without death. So he said to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross and save thyself and us. Watch for just a moment. Don't miss this. When that happened, Christ, Pastor Christ, was non responsive. He ignored it. But that second thing said, in essence, you go ahead and stay on that cross. You go ahead and die. You go ahead and shed your blood. You go ahead and be buried. You go ahead and rise from the dead. You go ahead and come again. You go ahead and start a kingdom. And when you do, remember me. In our Bible, the word verily and the word amen come from the same root word. And when thou shalt not be said, go ahead and stay on the cross, die, shed your blood, be buried, rise again. Jesus said, amen. That's what I'm going to do. But it won't be as long as you think it is. Because today thou shalt be with me in paradise. But I must ask that thief. What about this man? He said, this man has done nothing amiss. 
Not one charge to be put against him. Well, let's go a step further. In his phones, we see not only there's Herod, Pilate and Pilate's wife, and there is the thief on the cross. But I want to call one more. One of the twelve. By the name of Judas Iscariot. Judas, you were numbered with him. You obtained a part in the ministry. But Judas, influenced by the devil, you betrayed the Son of God. Tell me, Judas, what did you find wrong with the Lord Jesus Christ? He would just simply say, go over to Matthew chapter 27, verse number 3. And he went out, came back and throwed the money down at the council. He said, I have sinned in that I have betrayed thee innocent blood. Do you notice in that text, it doesn't just say I betrayed innocent blood, but I betrayed thee. There's not but one innocent blood ever been on earth. That's the blood of the Son of God that flowed through, the blood of God that flowed through Jesus' veins. And Pilate said he's innocent. He's not guilty. So I'd say to you that his father found no fault in him. His friends find no fault in him. His foes find no fault in him. May I say to you number four? I don't want to spend long here. I could. But we could line up from here to Atlanta and back. His followers. Down through the years. Many have died martyrs' death. Many have suffered lots of different burdens and battles and problems and pains and heartaches and heartbreaks and agonies and disappointments. But of every person that ever followed the Lord Jesus Christ by saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, saved by the grace of God, Brother Gravely would step up to this microphone and testify over and over again, I found no fault. They'd say something like this, I failed him many times, but he's never failed me. I let him down, but he never let me down. I've not been all I should have been, but he's been all I should have been. And can I say to you after being saved, for 66 years and preaching 57 years I want to join the crowd raise my hands and scream to the top of my voice I find no fault in him at all he's not just good in your youth he's good in the old days nobody in this building would want to stand up today and accuse him falsely Every one of us to testify, I find no fault in him. I'm a satisfied customer. I've been signing letters, I guess, for 10 years. When I start signing my name, I put a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or either I preach, I put his servant, his servant, your friend, his servant. Your friend, his servant. I use that a satisfied customer. Now, I'd like to take the remainder of my few my minutes this afternoon, but I want to give you three thoughts. I'm not going to build on them much. I'll build a little bit on the first one. But in the Word of God, watch me just a moment. I read to you in verse number five, verse number four, where Pilate said, let me find my verse, verse number five. Pilate said, behold, behold the man. 
In verse number 15, if my memory is correct, verse 14, the Bible said, Behold your king. Now look at me a moment. Everybody in here about it, if you know anything about your Bible, knows this next and I'll turn into it. In John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb. The word behold means primer. It means to look upon. But it's not a casual glance. It is a meditated, can I use some words, a pondering, a thinking, and analyzing, you know, searching out. So three times he's mentioned behold. And I want to say this. All three of those have access and give us access to the faultless son of God. Look at me just a moment. When he said, behold the man, behold the, behold the lamb, that speaks of him as our redeemer. Now I want to go on record to say I find no fault in his redemption. When I see the behold the man, that speaks of him as our representative, our great high priest. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Thank God the man sits at the right hand of the Father. They make an intercession. He is my representative. I find no fault in him. He's my representative. And when I look at the word, behold, the king, that's my ruler, my Lord. I find no fault in him at all. I'm going to only deal with the first one. And I'll go through this quickly, so I hope you'll stay with me. I want to tell you, I find no fault in the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word redeem means to purchase. It means to buy and pay in full. It's not a down payment. I'm glad when God saved me, he didn't give me a coupon book. Amen. Paid in full. When I was a boy at home, my little mama was about yay high, and her and the pastor's wife. My mama had a loud alto voice. Pastor's wife had a soprano voice. They'd sing together, and they used to sing a song, Brother Gravity, and Sister Moore would sing, I've been reading. Mama would say, and so have I. I've been redeemed, and so have, and back and forth, they'd seesaw through that thing. I want to tell you something. I stand here this afternoon in this flesh. I am not perfect, but thank God in my redemption, I have a perfect redeemer. My salvation is perfect, and there's no fault to be found in the redemption that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. But the word redeemed means to purchase by paying the price in full. I want to show you this. Look at Hebrews chapter number 9 for just a moment. We'll, we'll finish here. Hebrews chapter number 9. In verse 11 and 12. Hear the word of God said. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 and 12. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come. By a greater and more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hand. That is to say not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Now, I want to take this slow because I want the younger people to grab what I'm saying this evening and get a hold of it. There are four or five things, preacher, in this verse about our perfect redemption. I want to mention them all briefly. 
Number one, if you look at verse number 11, we discover the person of our redemption. But Christ. The reason I have a perfect redemption, I have a perfect redeemer. It doesn't depend upon me, upon my ability, my past, present, or my perspective. But I'm telling you, he is the person. My salvation is not dependent upon my work. My rose, my rights is not depend on my giving, my singing, my shouting, my preaching, but he is the person. Thank God he is my redeemer. I find no fault in the person of my redeemer. Number two, there's not only a person of the redemption, but there's a place. The place would be set, generally, pastor, by the ones in charge of the redemptive process. You remember it, uh, Ruth? At, yes. At there by the gate of the city, and that's what was usually held at the gate of the city, but it's a public place. And they come in and they did the redemption. But I want to tell you something. The place of my redemption, don't turn me off. Let me go ahead and say this. Really, was not at Calvary. That's place of crucifixion. But my place of redemption and yours too was out of this world. In the holy of holies, not made with hand. You say, why is it there? God had charged and God said, heaven's going to be with us. It's not going to transpire down there with the sin and pollution. God said that redemption place will be above sin where there's no sin because it's a sinless, spotless blood of Christ. My friend, God said it's going to be in heaven. So there's a redeeming person. There's a place of the redemption. There's a price of our redemption. But Christ... Verse number 12 said, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. You say, Brother Blue, I just don't think it ought to be necessary for blood to be the redeeming price. Can I tell you something? Nobody asked you what you thought. I don't mean that respect me. I'm talking about God. I don't mean smart. I'm talking about God. He's the one in charge. And the one in charge accepted the person that was presented. Set the place. Establish the price. And I got news for you. And I'm not being a smart aleck. I don't like smart aleck's in pulpit. But Brother Simpson, if God was satisfied with the price of the blood, I am too. Who am I to question it? Who am I to question it? But then I want you to know it's the fourth thing. No, no, I have no fault in the, if I no fault in the person of my redemption, the place of my redemption, the process of my redemption. I find no fault in the process of our redemption. Now watch this, and it's so simple. You know what happened? Over there in the book of Ruth, Boaz came in with the price. Laid it down there at the feet of the officers or at the table, wherever they had it designated. Yes. And picked up the title deed for Ruth and walked away. Can I tell you, for a world that was going to hell, God said it's going to take sinless blood. It's going to take sinless blood. And Christ, 
Christ, I didn't mention this. Let me back up just a minute on that person. There are three qualifications on that person. Y'all know this. Number one, he had to be re- related. He had to be a kinsman. Yes. Number two, he had to be rich. He had to have the money to pay for him. Amen. Number three, he had to be ready. Nobody could make him. God didn't make his son die for you. You didn't make him die for you. But he, by the grace of God, looked at the world going to hell, looked at his own blood and said, I've got what it takes here. And he took that blood and went in and presented it on the mercy seat in heaven, got the title deed for every sin of every sinner and walked out, hallelujah, and I'm redeemed, I'm bought, I'm purchased, I'm paid for in full by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a redeeming person, redeeming place, redeeming price, redeeming process. But then in the latter part of verse number 12, there's a redemption period. Having obtained, having obtained, not conditional, not part-time, not hope so, maybe so, but having obtained eternal redemption for us. I would not be dogmatic what I'm saying about this, but I believe I'm right in it. The word everlasting has to deal with the quality, quantity of our life. Lasts forever. But the word eternal has to do with the quality of it. It's the life of God. Yes. Come out of there and we had God's life. Sinless life of God. You see, when I was saved by the grace of God, when I was saved by the grace of God, there are three words that thrill my soul in this matter of redemption. One, look at me just a moment. I don't want to bore you, but look at me just a moment. One of them, there was importation. Import. Everybody with me? You know what import means? It means to bring something in from the outside. That's right. At Calvary. I wish I could explain this. This is the best I can do, Brother John. Preacher, it's like with one hand, the Lord reached all the way back to Adam and collected every sin of every sinner from Adam to Calvary yes. and brought him in his own body. Yes. Took the other hand and reached forward to the last sin, the last sinner, and collected all them and brought them in. Yes. Hey, you know why I can sing my sins are gone? You know why I can't remember all the guilt and burden I used to have? I'm telling you, God imported my sin. God, he took up on himself the sin of the world. All we like sheep have gone astray, all we turn on way. But God put on him. That I'm telling you, my sins have been imported from me to him. They're gone. Then there's not only the word importation. There's the word imputation. Legal term. That has to do with relationship. You know what that has to do with record? You know what God did? Brother Brown, God took the righteousness of Christ, blood of his, the righteous blood of Christ, and marked off everything on my record, blotted it out. Yes. And as far as God's concerned, I stand here just as if though I had never sinned. 
The songwriter said, what sin are you talking about? The preacher was preaching a message and made that statement. He realized, God said, I don't remember them sins anymore. But my sins have been imported to Christ. They're taken away from me. They've been imputed in heaven. They're paper. The debt is settled. The record is clear. But there's not only importation into Christ, imputation set in the record, but there's impartation. He turned around and imparted his own righteousness to me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. I find no fault in him at all. Father, honor your word. Use it to your glory. I pray in Jesus' name.